The following message was presented during the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministries 2017 Prophecy Conference season. Now here's Jim Showers with a message from Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, God's final message. Verse 40 uh, uh, through 45 of chapter 11, if you don't get that, what happens at the beginning of chapter 12 really doesn't make sense. In fact, let me show you. It says, uh, at that time is how chapter 12 starts out. At that t- what time? Whenever you see in the Bible a reference to time, you have to stop and ask, what time is the author talking about? So let me answer that question. What time? Chapter 11, verse 40. At the time of the end. What is the time of the end? Well, we know that uh, that is a reference uh, in the Bible to uh, what we would call the 70th week of Daniel, but actually more specific, the last half of the 70th week or the 70th seven-year period in, in Daniel chapter 9. It's referred to in other places in the Old Testament as the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30. It's the great day of the Lord in Joel chapter 2 and Amos 5. And it's also the great tribulation that Jesus referred to in Matthew 24. All would be this time of the end. And so we begin here in chapter 11, verse 40, at the time of the end, the king of the south. Now we have to stop and ask who is the king of the south? That would be the leader of Egypt. And you'll, you'll see why in a minute, why we're confident to say that. Shall attack him. Another question, who's him? In just one part of a sentence here, we're given a lot of information, and if we don't define or qualify who's being talked about here, we'll miss what this is all about. The him, you would go back in the context. You know, the verses, the chapter divisions and verses you know weren't there when Daniel wrote this, right? They've been inserted later. A few hundred years after Daniel wrote this, uh, scholars sat down, and in order to make it easier to study, they inserted chapter divisions and verses. And quite honestly, if I had been alive then and they would have asked me, which they would not have done, I would have said, start chapter 12 here in verse 40. That should be the first verse of chapter 12. But the context here, we move back up what Chris was telling us at the end of his message, beginning in verse 36, we believe, at least I believe, is the Antichrist. And so at the time of the end, in this last, or just about the time that that last three and a half years is going to begin, the king of the south shall attack the Antichrist, the king of Egypt, and the king of the north shall come up against him. Who's the king of the north? Syria would understand normally the reference in the Old Testament to the north would be Assyria. Modern day Syria uh, would be the closest uh, understanding of that. So the king of the south, Egypt, and the king of the north, Syria, shall come against him, the Antichrist, like a whirlwind with chariots, horsemen, with many ships. And here's what's going to happen. He, the Antichrist, shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the glorious land. Now we have to stop again. What's the glorious land? Israel. You know your Bible. He is going to pass through the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, 
but these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. Modern-day Jordan. Those are all nations on the east side of the Jordan River in, in Daniel's day that we refer to today, today as modern country of Jordan. So it's saying here that he is going to pass through the land of Israel, but he will not uh, battle against modern-day Jordan. He's going to pass by them. And he shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. Now, because it ends with uh, reference to Egypt, uh, the best understanding we have of this passage is that as these nations come against the Antichrist, he is going to move first into Syria and defeat Syria and then move through the land. When you see those nations that are listed there that are Jordan, it's a southern progression. And so we believe what he's going to do is bring his armies, his military through the land of Israel and then attack Egypt second and defeat Egypt. And so we read in verse 43, he shall have power over the treasuries of gold and silver and over the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. He will go as far as to the countries of Libya and Ethiopia. And he will be left in Egypt to enjoy the spoils of victory as he is he has power over the treasuries of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. But look at verse 44. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. So now the big question. What is this news from the east and the north? I think... Many scholars think, but not all, that this is Ezekiel 38 and 39. The Battle of Gog and Magog, when we read through the text there in Ezekiel 38 and 39, we're given a number of nations or people groups that, as best as we can tell, would include modern-day Iran, Turkey, Russia, Libya, Ethiopia, and some other countries uh, in, in the, the area of southern Russia and, and north of Turkey. What's interesting is in that passage, there's no Syria mentioned. Why? Well, according to this passage, would explain why. It's already been defeated. But notice something else. This news, whatever it is, we know it is something that troubles him because he's going to go out to destroy and annihilate many. So it is a threat to him militarily. And he turns and moves out of Egypt back into the promised land, the glorious land. But there's no description of a battle or victory here. Well, again, Ezekiel 38 and 39 would fit that, wouldn't it? Because if you recall in Ezekiel 38 and 39, the ghetto, battle of Gog and Magog, it's really the Arab armies who are coming against Israel to destroy Israel. And no human army will defeat them. God himself is going to intervene and wipe them out so that all of the world will know there is a God of Israel. 
And so it does fit into this text, certainly, that he goes out to destroy, to respond to this movement of these nations into the northern part of Israel. But before he can get there, God wipes out those nations. And so what we read in verse 45, and he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas. A lot of questions we have to ask in this passage. What are the seas? We're in the glorious land. So if if there's a reference to more than one sea, one would have to be the Mediterranean, right? And the other sea? The Dead Sea. He is going to plant his palaces, his tents of his palace between the seas, the glorious holy mountain. We understand that at this point, and I believe this is the beginning of the midpoint of the 70th week or 77, the 70th seven year period in Daniel chapter 9. In the middle of that period, he is going to move his transition, his palace, his government, his headquarters to Jerusalem. Because what does he do at that point? Well, we know several things. He's going to receive a fatal wound and then resurrect back to good health. And I'm not here today to, to debate whether that's, he's actually going to die or just appear to die. Um, that's for another day to discuss. But what we do know in, in Revelation chapter 13 is that he will receive a fatal wound and he will come back to good health, full health. And the world will look at him and say, who can defeat a man that if you kill him, he comes back to life? Who can stand to a man? And in Daniel chapter 9, we're told that he will put an end at this point to the sacrifices in the temple that have been permitted during the first part of the 70th seven. And he will erect an image of himself in the temple. He will desecrate it. What is the temple? Whose house does that belong to? God. It is where God dwelt amongst men. It is why the average Israeli never saw the inside of the temple. Only the priests. It's where you bring your sacrifice to meet with God and offer repentance, contrition for your sins in the Old Testament. And God's going to allow that temple to be rebuilt during the first part of this 70th seven. And sacrifices will be reinstituted, but at the midpoint, he will put an end to that. Then look what it says at the end of this verse. Yet he, the Antichrist, shall come to his end, and no one will help him. He will eventually meet his end, and there is nobody that can save him. Now that's the setup for chapter 12. So let's go to chapter 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as it never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And and at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book, 
And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. But those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn away many to righteousness, let the stars forever, like the stars forever and ever. Daniel starts out with this reference to at that time. And as I said a few minutes ago, that reference, I believe, is back to the reference here in chapter 40 to the, the time of the end, the, the, the pinnacle, if you will, of human history that will lead to the restoration of God's kingdom here on earth. So it's a reference to the time of the end. And we read here that Michael shall stand up, the great prince. That is really the great angel. But he's in the realm of angels, he's not an average angel. He's one of authority. He is a prince amongst the angels who will stand up. What is he standing up for? Michael is the angel who protects Israel. We can say with confidence that God will not allow Israel to be defeated. Last night when Elliot was here, he was talking about the great threat that they have from Hezbollah in Lebanon and Iran. I can say with confidence because of Michael, the angel who watches over Israel, they may suffer, but they will not be annihilated. And let, I want to take you back to Revelation chapter 12. Because we talked uh, on Friday night uh, about how Daniel dovetails with Revelation. And let me show you that, one of the places where they dovetail together. We have this simple statement that Michael shall stand up to protect Israel. But look what happens in Daniel chapter 12, verse 7. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angel fought with the dragon. Do you know who the dragon is? Satan. So he fought with Satan, and the dragon and his angels, so the fallen angels who were with him, fought. You remember uh, in, in uh, Ephesians that we're told, Ephesians 6, that the greater battle... It's not here on earth, but with the powers and principalities in the heaven. You're now getting a look at a great, momentous battle that's going on in heaven. And, and so in verse 8 it says, But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Yahoo! <laughs> this is the last day or the last time Satan and his fallen angels will ever be permitted into heaven. Isn't that exciting? Amen? Amen. So the great dragon, verse 9, was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. Who? The accuser of, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Those are the weapons they use. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But pay attention to what comes at the end of this verse. Woe! to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil, this great dragon, has come down to you having great wrath. Why? 
not just because he lost this battle in heaven, but because he knows that he has a short time left. Okay, this is, this is the background to what's happening in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Michael is going to stand up because the devil is going to be kicked out of heaven and he's going to be very angry and this is a terrible thing for the earth because he's going to unleash his anger upon the earth and in particular against the Jewish people. And were Michael not to stand up and protect them, they may not survive. And so we're told here in verse 1 as well, this is going to be a time of great trouble such as never was. And, you know, that hurts me when I think about how much suffering the Jewish people went through during the Holocaust. I've done a lot of study and reading. It's, it's, it's not an encouraging study, let me tell you, but I've studied a lot about the Holocaust and continue. I'm trying, you try to understand how could mankind be so inhumane to anybody like that on such a mass scale. And yet, the answer to that question is it's demonic. Satan wants to destroy the Jewish people. He wants to eliminate them once and for all. And why would he want to do that? Because if he can eliminate the Jewish people, he can avoid his eternal judgment that God has predestined for him. And so, this time will be worse than the time of the Holocaust. And we say today, you know, uh, The Holocaust will never happen again, not on our watch. But God says there is a time of great distress and trouble coming. And if you continue reading in in Revelation chapter 12, you will read about how Satan in particular is going to target or make his priority eliminating the Jewish people. And in fact, there's a great passage there. It talks about how uh, they will flee. Some of them will flee into the wilderness and he will send a great flood to wipe them out. But God will swallow up that water and protect the Jewish people and give them sanction within the wilderness. Now, if you think about what Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse, what did he say to the Jewish people? When you see the abomination of desolation, go home, pack, go to the bank, get your money out, flee. Only those who recognize what's happening and flee immediately are going to survive and be a part of those that have sanction in the wilderness. He will then turn his attention back to the rest of the Jewish people who did not flee at that point. Why does God permit such trouble to befall Israel? I don't like reading about the trouble. But you have to stop and say why. And the scriptures reveal two primary purposes in God's plan here and what he's allowing to happen to the Jewish people. The first purpose is to refine and purge all the rebellion out of the nation of Israel. And so in Ezekiel 20, we read about how God is going to take them out into the wilderness and refine them like you refine in a fire. And he's going to remove the rebellious ones from the nation and the second purpose is what we read about in Zechariah chapter 12. We also read, and Paul talks about this in Romans 11, about how salvation is going to come to all Israel. 
So for those who are not rebellious, God is going to bring salvation to all Israel. In, in Zechariah 12, I love how it's written. It, it says, um, they will look upon him whom they have cursed as, as an only begotten son. We're talking about Christ. They're going to look on Christ at this time in history when they've gone through all this suffering. They will look upon him as an only son whom they have pierced. They will accept responsibility for not having accepted him the first time that he came. And it says they will begin repenting and begin listing family after family. This isn't just a national repentance. This is individual. Family by family, they will repent. In Acts chapter 3, Peter taught, this is what keeps Messiah from coming back today. It's not my salvation, your salvation. It's the salvation of the Jewish people. Until they're ready, they have the right heart to accept Jesus as their Messiah and King God will not bring in the kingdom that we all desire and bring peace to this earth. And so uh, God promises here in verse 1 deliverance at that time for everyone who is found written in the book. If you're a believer today, you have your name written in the book. This is the book of life that's referred to in Scripture. And here specifically, he's talking about the Jewish people who are suffering and at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. And so he goes on to give him a further promise here. Not just those who are alive, who are written in the book, will come to salvation. But those who have died as saints in the Old Testament or during the tribulation shall also awake to everlasting life. But he also says there is a group, some, who will awake to shame and everlasting contempt. I believe that the second group that he's referring to are not going to be resurrected uh, during this time, but at the end of the time, the end of this great period of suffering, when Jesus returns, there will be a time of judgment for those who are not saved. That will include those from the Old Testament as well as those from today. Those who are Jewish, as well as those who are Gentile, for disgrace and contempt. And then verse 3, he encourages Daniel by saying that those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who, who turn away many to righteousness. This will be a great time of salvation here on the earth, particularly for the Jewish people, uh, as they will shine forever and ever. In fact, there is a reference uh, in Jesus made um, to this fact. Jesus said, um, if I can find it here, looking at the wrong place. Jesus promised this, the righteousness in Matthew chapter 13 will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Those who will rise up and lead others to righteousness, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are described here like the brightness of the firmament. Now, 
God finishes out then the chapter of Daniel with four significant prophetic things. The first thing is a prophetic seal. Verse 4, But to you, Daniel, shut up the words in the seal of the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. This is a very interesting instruction that God gives to Daniel to shut up and seal this prophecy. Do you remember what God tells John at the end of Revelation to do? Just the opposite. Don't seal up this book. Why would God command that this book be sealed? It's as simple as this. This was not a prophecy that Daniel was going to fully comprehend, nor the people of his day. God is saying, this is a prophecy not for you, Daniel, but for the Jewish people that are alive during this last three and a half year period of time. There will be those going to and fro seeking answers. And God will allow some to study this and understand it. Therefore, seal it up. It's for a future time. We get the book of of Revelation into the end of Revelation. God has written that book, I believe, for the church. There is no reason to seal it. God intends the church to know the book of Revelation and study it. Begins with letters to the church, doesn't it? And then God is unveiling for the church what is yet to come. So there's a distinct difference here. And, uh, and God gives instruction to Daniel to seal up this book. And then there's a, a vision that Daniel sees. Read here, then verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on, the river, uh, one on this river bank and the other river bank. And uh, verse 6, And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. There's a vision here of the Tigris River. And on each side is an angel on each bank of the river. And above the river, I believe, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the angels asks the question, how long will this continue? He's not asking how long will the full seven years last, but he's asking how long will you permit Satan to persecute the Jewish people? And the answer he gets is a time and times and half a time. How long is that? A time, one year. Times, two more. And half a time, three and a half years. So it will be a period of three and a half years. And poor Daniel. Verse 8 says, Although I heard, I did not understand. And then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Daniel's asking God to to help him understand this because this isn't making sense to him. And God has this reply for him. He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end, the time of the end. Many will be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise 
shall understand. This is the prophetic outcome of what God is revealing here. And Daniel can't make sense of it because in his day and age, he doesn't have enough information to understand what is occurring here. And God says, that's okay. But he does give Daniel hope. There are those who will come to salvation and those who will remain in their wickedness. And I have to tell you, that's hope. Because Daniel knows that not all the Jewish people will be lost. Even though this is a great time that, that he can't quite put his arms around. Um, you know, have you, you ever been to the doctor and he's about to do a procedure? I had a surgery uh, a few years ago. And the doctor told me what he was going to do. And then I had the surgery. And when I woke up, I was in a lot of pain. And when I saw the doctor the next day for the first time, I said, you didn't tell me I'd be in all this pain. And he said to me, well, that's because I didn't want you to worry. And I didn't want you to, to be concerned about the surgery. I knew you were going to be in pain, but you didn't need to know that. Daniel does not know enough to be able to understand this prophecy. And God, in a very gracious way, is giving them encouragement by saying there will be some who will come to righteousness, even though others remain in their wickedness. And, uh, and so don't worry about understanding this. And then the book of Daniel closes with some uh, pro prophetic time markers. Um, and so here's the prophetic order. We understand from what was just revealed there with that vision that this period of time is 1260 days, right? Three and a half years. But look what we read in chapter 12, verse 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Whoa, what's that? And in verse 12, blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. This is growing. What is God revealing to Daniel? Two, I call them prophetic markers, if you will. 1,290 days. How many more days is that than 1,260 days? I am so impressed. You've hung in here for the whole conference, and you're still sharp enough to do math. Yeah, 30 days. For what purpose? I believe if you go to Revelation chapter 20, we understand that after Jesus returns to this earth, not only will he judge Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan, but he's also going to, at the end of the thousand-year millennial period, judge all of the wicked of all time. Remember we read earlier that uh, back in verse 1 that the God, or 2, that God would raise up uh, some to righteousness and some to condemnation. The righteous will be raised up at the end of this three-and-a-half-year period when Christ returns. But there are also those who will come for, be raised back to life for judgment. And so at the end of the millennial kingdom... Daniel and all the believers from the Old Testament tribulation period, get, I believe, will be raised back to life when Messiah returns to earth. This judgment comes after that. And it is a 30-day judgment of all the wicked who are alive on the earth at the time. 
those who survive till the end of the tribulation but have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this will be a judgment against not only Israel but the Gentile nations. And then there is the second period of 1,335 days. If you do your math, you can look up here if you don't want to do the math. How many days is that? It's another 45 days beyond the extra 30, a total of 75 days. And what's that about? Well, the clue here is that he says, Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. I believe that's when the kingdom will be inaugurated. The thousand-year millennial kingdom begins with an inauguration. And so, for those of you that like to see things in pictures rather than just listed in words, here's another way of looking at it. Day zero, according to what is said here in verse 11, begins when Antichrist breaks the covenant and ends the sacrifices. That's Daniel 9.27. Okay? That's when the counting begins. And during the 1200 and first 1260 days is the second half of the tribulation period. We see it in here. We see it in Revelation. And that period of time will end when Jesus Christ returns and saves Israel. And by the way, you're going to be with him. Right? The saints and the angels come with him out of heaven when he returns. Then there's this 30-day period where Messiah will judge all those. Why, would he want to, why wouldn't he wait till the end of the millennium to judge those who come through the tribulation period but aren't believers. Because when we inaugurate the millennial kingdom, only believers will be able to enter it. And there will be those who survive to the end of the tribulation who do not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for 30 days, he will do that judgment. And then for an additional 45 days, there will be preparations made for the millennial kingdom. What preparations? There's a temple to be built. This world needs to be cleaned up. And the Lord himself is going to restore the condition of this world back to the way it was before the fall. And so God has allotted 45 days beyond the judgment for that so that he can say, blessed is he who is alive and survives to the end of the 1,335 days for the inauguration of the millennial kingdom. Uh, and, and everyone who enters that then will live through the millennial kingdom. Now, you and I will live with our glorified bodies through that period of time, right? But there were those who go into it with their natural bodies. And during the millennial kingdom, there will be babies born. And people will live much longer than they do today. Those of you that are in your 70s and 80s or even 60s here will be kids in that day because like back at the beginning even after the fall we know that people live to be six seven eight hundred years old and we're going to see long times there is in the garden or, or there it, it i'm sorry not in the garden I'm getting ahead to the new heavens new earth there is there in jerusalem where the temple is a tree of life just go and read Ezekiel 46. It talks about a tree with fruit that bears fruit, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. And I think it has a regenerative ability so that people will take of that fruit and eat, or if they're injured in some way, will use the leaves to heal the injuries, and life will perpetuate itself. 
so that a 70, 80-year-old man is considered a child. You're still a kid. Well, let's close. Verse 13, God says to Daniel, But you, Daniel, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. You know what the rest means. He's not telling Daniel to go take a nap, is he? He is telling Daniel that he is going to die. This is the last prophecy or vision that God gives to Daniel in his lifetime. I think he's a very old man at this point. And God says you're going to go to your grave, but a wonderful promise that he will rise again to his inheritance. And it will be at the end of this three and a half years when the Lord returns himself, I believe that Daniel will be brought back. And so you will get to meet and know Daniel during that time. And you can thank him for his book. Well, what do we get as we close out our study on the book of Daniel? I just want to share just a few thoughts with you. Things that we've witnessed as we've studied this book. And one of them is God's omniscience that is so evident in this book. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. If you are a being who knows everything from beginning to end before it even begins, then you can prophesy, you can foretell things in the future with great precision. That's exactly what we see in the book of Daniel. Secondly, we see God's sovereignty and his sovereign rule is on display. We have confidence that if he foretold things in the past that happened with great precision, he's active and and alive and working in the world today to fulfill future prophecy with the same great precision. And so we can can take that as a hope. The third thing is that God's glory is demonstrated. He is the Most High God, El Elyon, as Tom shared with us in the Hebrew. He is the Most High God. One of the things that God demonstrates throughout human history, and it is so evident here in the book of Daniel, is that he is about, through this period of human history, waiting for the restoration of things, he is about proving, demonstrating to all of his creation that he is the one true God of this universe, the Most High God. There is no other God that tells you what's going to happen in the future like the God of Israel. And finally, just a reminder as we get from Daniel's name that God is my judge, that that applies to every one of us. Male, female, old, young, God is our judge. He holds our eternal future in his hands. And one of the wonderful things about God that makes him so glorious is that in his grace and mercy, he has provided a payment for our sins. God will judge me, but he's given me a way to account for that and to reconcile my sin before him. And to that we say, Amen. For more audio resources, including MP3 downloads of past prophecy conferences, visit us at foi.org.